Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. We'd like to let our number one and only fan know that the reason that the mice and the creatures aren't stirring is because they fled. They know that this year, Krampus is coming. So, you know, you better watch out. (laughs) God, it's so stupid. Okay. Today, we're discussing the Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Stella has high-functioning autism, loves math, and is a brilliant and successful econometrician. She's less successful at romance, so she decides to hire an escort to help her improve her skills. Michael, the escort she hires, can't believe Stella is bad at sex, but he agrees to conduct a series of lessons. Immediately attracted to each other, their partnership starts to feel more like a real relationship, but both Stella and Michael are hiding something. When the secrets come out, will love still be the logical conclusion? There will be spoilers beyond this point. So Erica, where does the story start? So this story takes place in Silicon Valley in San Francisco, uh, California. Our main character is Stella, who is super smart and super duper successful. Like she's She has a doctorate, I think. Yeah, she's a doctorate. She has more money than she knows what to do with. She's great at work. Like, they keep trying to offer her a promotion, and she just doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to work with people. She just wants to do her math. Yeah, she loves her job, and she knows what she does, and she likes what she does. Um, One of the reasons she doesn't want to deal with people is because she has high-functioning autism, and she, um, she struggles with that interpersonal relationship type of type of stuff yeah um among among some other things so having high functioning autism for stella and being aware of it has created an insecurity about the way that she interacts with the world she's constantly second guessing am i doing this correctly have i said the right thing and i think in a way too she kind of over the course of the story, I think I think this changes. But at the beginning, she kind of sees it as a thing she needs to overcome, like a deficit in herself as opposed to just how she is. And this becomes like pretty evident early on. I mean, Stella hasn't, it doesn't seem like at the start of the story, accepted her autism in the sense that, yes, she realizes she has it. But I think also because, at least from a romance perspective, her mom particularly keeps trying to set her up on dates. So it's like she still sort of feels like perhaps that there's this deficit within herself this thing that is incorrect or needs to be fixed and having a romantic partner then will mean that she she has graduated she is fixed (laughs) she is complete she struggles with being touched especially um yeah it's it's different like touching with strangers versus touching with with someone who knows her yeah but not even that because there's a point like in later in the story where she like hugs her mom or her dad and like counts to three or something (laughs) yeah she does that too with with eye contact the counting to three yeah so she has like this this idea of like social expectations like okay well okay i touched you and now i'm done okay i looked in your face and now i'm done (laughs) yeah 
But when it comes to things like sex, it's it's tough for her because, you know, it involves all sorts of touching. It just makes her really uncomfortable. And so she just kind of locks up and kind of starfishes it, I guess. Yeah, she does. Because also at the start <laughs> of the story, her three sexual encounters that she's had prior did not go well. They were not handled in such a way that, you know, her, her wants and concerns were taken into account. Yeah, she had three prior sexual encounters with three different guys no repeat customers and I think the biggest deal is that they just kind of went with it finished up and never called her again because it wasn't good yeah it wasn't good for anybody is what it sounds like it wasn't good for the guys and it wasn't good for her yeah it wasn't it wasn't good for her it wasn't good for them (laughs) yeah and the story at the beginning of the story she's having dinner with her folks and her mom is like so when are you gonna you know stop being single I'd like grandbabies eventually and it just brings all these feelings up in Stella's head like she's just like I don't know but she sees this as like an expectation of her parents yeah familial social expectation yeah that's like a big deal uh to her she wants to live up to like what her parents want for her which kind of makes you wonder like how her early life went because we don't really discuss that too much the story picks up when she's 30 and she just this is her life and this is her relationship with her folks and her dad it sort of seems like at the start of the story that her life is pretty organized the way that she is comfortable with it so and that's probably you sort of get the impression that that's sort of the path that her family took apart from this one aspect with the grandchildren is that they have allowed Stella to make her life what she wants it because it's the path of least resistance too. I mean, she's lucky enough that the thing that she loves to do, work with economics, inlines itself very well with how she is. So she's able to excel, make a lot of money, all of these things with relative ease. I mean, in that it's the path of least resistance for her because it's where she's most comfortable. She, at the start of the story, is going to work seven days a week because she enjoys her work that much. So she's allowed to obsess about it to that degree. And it has benefited her, you know, professionally. But while she's having this conversation with her folks, her dad suggests, oh, what about your coworker, Philip James? Uh, We met him the last time uh, we went to one of the get togethers at your company. And he seemed really nice. And her mom agrees and so this idea kind of gets like planted in Stella's brain early on like oh yeah well my parents like him so he's probably good yeah see that's the thing she she knows what she's like she she knows what she likes she knows what she's comfortable with and she does those things and she's very very successful but she also takes a lot of cues from her folks her mom's like okay well I'd like grandbabies at some point soon and Stella's like okay well I need to surmount this obstacle now you know like she just kind of okay okay, here's another box that I need to check off on my life list. That's what makes me wonder about her her prior relationship with her folks. Like, do they realize that they're doing this? Or is this just, you know, their communication style with her because of how she is or what? I'm not sure. It, it seems like the mom is more worried about what the mom wants at this point in the story to me. She might be because she might be at a place where she wants the grandbabies and she's not maybe taking into account what that might 
might mean for Stella. Yeah, and and that's another thing. I don't know if they're aware of how uncomfortable she is with physical touch because there's a point like after dinner, she gives her dad a hug and since she initiated it, it's okay. And since he's familiar to her, it's okay. She even has a thought where she's like, why can't all men be like her dad? (laughs) Probably because she's really comfortable with her dad. And every other guy that she's, every guy she's been with romantically, she's not comfortable with at all. So then we go, we move forward and we, we see Stella at work and she's got like this routine. So every time she comes into the office, she turns on her computer, she enters her password, she puts her purse in the desk drawer, she gets her water, she takes off her shoes, you know, she's got her whole thing. As she's getting started to work, Philip James peeks in around the door. He's like, oh, I thought it might be you because it's the weekend. And (laughs) I guess he's caught her working on the weekend a few times but she's like well what are you doing here which to be fair he's there too yeah he's there though because he forgot something which was a box of condoms which apparently he keeps at work (laughs) oh right well find out later that he might need to yeah and then they have like this really might be a practical reason for that they have this really inappropriate conversation that i don't think stella realizes it's inappropriate i don't know if philip realizes it or not i feel like he i don't know they kind of imply that philip has his own quote issues whatever those may be but as it's not really yeah maybe philip doesn't realize it's also inappropriate yeah i don't know but i kind of struggle to give him a pass on this i think that pretty much everyone who's been told that workplace harassment is inappropriate can know that it's inappropriate and most workplaces have like some sort of sexual harassment training especially places like where stella works you know like for a big firm (laughs) yeah he very well may be aware but he may like the inappropriateness of it yeah so i don't i just don't know how to feel about it but i don't like him and since he may be aware that stella won't tell him no yeah that could be it too he may be taking advantage of of how he knows stella to be like he'll know that she'll just answer whatever he tells her he's going on a date and he expects to get lucky and then he asks her if she's still a virgin she says no like she answers him (laughs) she does say she does say it's none of your business yeah she doesn't but then she answers him (laughs) yes philip is like so how many times three and she's like mentally yeah (laughs) but she doesn't answer (laughs) And then he's like, I bet you just lie there and run linear recursions in your head while a man does his business. And she's like thinking, I would do that if I could figure out how to do it, like how to distract myself from what's happening to me physically. (laughs) If it didn't make me so uncomfortable that I couldn't go to some sort of happy place where math lives. I know, right? And then he gives her, I guess, <laughs> advice where he's like, you know, you should get practice and you'll get better at it. And when you're better at it, men will like you better. And then he just leaves. And Stella is important. like, um, <laughs> okay. And she just like, again, she, she takes this to heart. She takes it seriously. She's like, okay, well, how do I practice sex then? And her mind goes to escort. <laughs> A professional. Yeah, she wants a professional. She wants a man who's motivated by money instead of by personality. And... Yeah, it gives and it gives her that sense of control because she's controlling the purse strings. There's this great quote that I highlighted that says regular men were incentivized by things like personality, humor and hot sex, things she didn't have. Professionals were incentivized by money. Stella happened to have a lot of money. (laughs) 
She's unfair to herself, though, because she does have personality and humor. And it turns out she is capable of hot sex. She just doesn't see these things in herself. Yeah, no, she doesn't. So let's move on to Michael, who is the escort that Stella hires. Michael is biracial. He's Vietnamese and Swedish. His dad is the Swedish side of his family and left his family, basically. Like his dad was a serial cheater and a con man and kept like cheating on his mom and then his mom kept taking him back all of this has kind of warped michael's sense of self-worth i think yeah it has like we we get introduced to this pretty early on in the story because he kind of feels a little bit of satisfaction about the fact that he's an escort because he's like yeah i bet my dad would hate this So, like, one of the reasons he is an escort is because he thinks his dad would really dislike it. But the other more important reason is that he needs the extra money. This is his weekend job. And he needs this money for bills, primarily to help out his mom, who has cancer and bad insurance. Bad insurance or no insurance. But either way, insufficient. (laughs) Welcome to the U.S., the land of opportunity and no insurance. (laughs) Still. Not to be political. (laughs) Heaven forbid. So the story picks up with Michael, like, at the beginning of his day, right before he's ready to go meet his client, who happens to be Stella. And he's, like, getting himself worked up in the shower and just trying to get in the right mindset. And he also has pre-existing expectations of who Stella is, like, age range and everything. Yeah, So in the response to his ad, she said that she was 30. And so Michael immediately is like, oh, well, she must be 50 then. (laughs) Yeah. She's probably one of those older women. Uh, Most of the women he gets with are older than probably 40. I would assume so. That's the, from the story, that's sort of how it seems. But he does want to give her a good time because she paid in advance. (laughs) And he has like this thought in his head, like, quote, Stella could be a pampered 50 who indulged in sweet spas and frou-frou canines. Or she could be a fit 50 who liked yoga, green juice, and marathon sex sessions. Or his least favorite, she could be a hard-ass Asian go-getter who chose him because with his mixed Vietnamese and Swedish heritage, he looked a lot like the K-drama star Daniel Henney. Yeah, he doesn't like that. He doesn't want to be um, fetishized, I guess. And I think he feels like he is a lot for looking like a hot Asian star. K-drama star. Yeah, K-drama star. I, I understand him not wanting to be fetishized. However, it sort of is conflicting with the fact that his looks, which are a byproduct of his mother's lineage and his father's, are exactly why he's like, ha ha ha, dad. I can understand not wanting to be fetishized, and especially for your race or your looks or other things you can't help, you know, things you're just born like that, hair color, eye color, that kind of thing. The, the book, this, this is like a pet peeve of mine in books where the author will name drop a specific real life person and then I have to Google them, see what they look like, and then that taints my mental image of this person for the rest of the book. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. I ran into that not so much with that aspect, but with the narrator, because yet again, I did the audiobook. Robin's, the 
there were a lot of strengths to her performance, but I wish I had read it in either a Kindle form or a paperback form so I was allowed to supply the voices versus having to rely on the narrator to supply the voices because sometimes her voice worked really well in certain instances and certain situations and conveying certain emotions and things like that. But in other ones, it just, it didn't quite work as well for me. So I do understand that. In what way specifically? Like when it came to Stella, like her insecurities and emotions and and conveying that, she did that very well. It, It was a lot in the exposition. So not so much the dialogue. There were just certain scenes that just didn't work. I guess that's the thing. When you listen to an audiobook, you are reading the book filtered through the performance of the narrator or narrators. And so if that particular narrator isn't doing it for you, then it's kind of a detriment to the whole book. A lot of times women narrators are encouraged to be very girly sounding or whatever. Cutesy, girly. Not all the time. Not every narrator. Like kindergarten (laughs) teacher. A little bit. I mean, (laughs) that's what I'm imagining. (laughs) I mean, that must have been the performance that they wanted. She was clearly capable of doing differently. Yeah. So it wasn't really the narrator. It's more the performance for this book. Yeah. I don't want it to sound like I'm like dumping on the the narrator because I'm not. They they give the performance that is asked for. Yeah. So it could very well be um, not the choice of the narrator, like not what they would have done if they were doing it on their own. So we'll pick up, let's see, Michael gets ready. He goes to the hotel restaurant where he's meeting Stella and he's looking around for a woman sitting alone. And the first woman he lays eyes on that's sitting alone is a middle-aged Asian woman who looks like exactly his nightmare client. Um, And he's a little worried about it. Lucky for him, it's not her. (laughs) Yeah, someone else shows up and sits with her. So he's like, oh, thank goodness. And then he looks around again and he sees someone sitting alone in the corner and he describes her kind of like a sexy librarian. He thinks that she looks younger than 30. Like she could be 25. But he looks around and he's like, well, that's gotta be her. And then he's wondering, well, am I being pranked? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he thinks it's his cousins pranking on him because his cousins are well aware of his hot for teacher fantasies. Yeah, I think so. And that's sort of the vibe she has. And he's sort of like, is this a joke? (laughs) Yeah, but then he goes up to her and he's all, are you Stella? And she looks at him and she's just like super hot. Like he thinks she's just the hottest thing. He's like, no, it can't be her. He's like, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong person. And she's like, oh, no, no, I am Stella. You're Michael. I recognize you. And she like sticks out her hand like it's a business interview, kind of. And... Because in her mindset, it is. It's a transaction. Yeah, it throws Michael off because he's used to being treated like a piece of meat, basically. And Stella is treating him like... A working professional and a person. Yeah, he's he's an equal. He's her peer, not lower than her. And so he sits down. Um, he gives her a fake last name, though she's like okay well let's eat and um she's telling him oh everything is good here but maybe don't eat the lamb and he's like why not and she goes it tastes wooly and when we you know get together that's what i'll be thinking about and i don't think he can (laughs) kind of tell if she's kidding like if she's telling a joke or if she's serious but he goes along with it and he orders something that isn't lamb and she asks him is there anything that you would prefer i don't eat and he's all no i don't care (laughs) 
<laughs> and this strikes him as strange because, again, she's taking his feelings into consideration and he's not used to that. And this whole time, it's like this awkward conversation because she's treating him this way. He's not used to it. She's super awkward and he can't understand why she would be so awkward because she's so pretty. He doesn't see, like, why on earth would she hire an escort? She tells him that she has a proposition for him that would require a commitment for the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> which he he does end up agreeing to or kind of skirts because he has a one night only policy which he intends to stick to so all this talk of like for the next couple months we'll be doing this or that or the other and he's like yeah uh-huh the whole time he's thinking this is just the one time and he feels like he needs to at least do this one night because she paid in advance yes so he doesn't want to tell her no to her proposition just yet so he actually suggests that they do a trial run and she's like oh yes let's establish a baseline <laughs> but she tells him the reason she wants multiple experiences with him is because she's bad at sex and she wants lessons and he just is like there's no way this girl is bad at sex like in his brain i think he can see the evidence of her social awkwardness he certainly doesn't attribute it to her autism he doesn't see the things that she's worried that he sees she is very self-conscious self-conscious to the point that she is not going to tell him that she's autistic because she doesn't want to be treated differently because of it and she feels like every time she tells somebody that they do treat her differently it's like she would rather be seen as quote normal well they both have that want they both want to be treated as people and not be defined as something about themselves that they can't control like they don't realize i think in that moment that that's what they want but they're very similar creatures so as they eat dinner they talk through dinner and they get to know each other then he just kind of takes the ladies all like okay, well, let's go to your room and starts to initiate, but it just makes her like, I don't know. Like at first she goes to the bathroom. She's like looking at herself and just reconsidering everything. Like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? This is horrible. This is a horrible idea. <laughs> and he shows up behind her and asks if he can take her hair down. And she says, yes. And so he takes it down and he's like touching her hair and just like trying to make her feel more comfortable, I think. And she sees his tattoo. Like she sees a piece of his tattoo. He ends up, it turns out he has like a full body dragon tattoo. Yeah, it covers a lot of, a lot of, if not all of his torso. And so she gets distracted by that. Like she's very into the tattoo. And he says she can touch him wherever she wants and so she's like okay and so she's like exploring his tattoo and then she notices he smells really good yeah she's into smell <laughs> and she's really into his smell like super into it she is smell sensitive yes and normally she she hates smells like in, in fact she even asked that the escort not wear any cologne and he didn't he just smells like how he smells and she thinks it's amazing so immediately they have like this chemistry like both of them he thinks she's super duper hot she's like his fantasy come to life she thinks he's hot too she's attracted to how he looks she's she loves his tattoo she thinks he smells amazing and she tells him i want this smell all over me and he's like are you sure you're bad at sex <laughs> 
He's like, you're definitely good at it so far. And she's all, this isn't sex. And he goes, no, there's definitely a talking part to sex. <laughs> and in her head, she's like, yeah, she just she's like, know. please don't let there be a talking part to sex. <laughs> like, oh, God, another aspect for me to fail. Yeah, because she's worried every time she speaks that she's going to say the wrong thing or offend somebody. So it's sort of like her nightmare. Yeah. So there's like this whole, you know, scene where it's very sexy. You know, they're exploring each other's bodies. They're having nice conversations. And then it gets to the point where he goes to kiss her and it's just amazing. But then he wants to French kiss her. And this is another part that's really funny because she initially doesn't like French kissing at all. Yeah, no. Like she, she kind of freaks out a little bit. She doesn't have positive associations. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, you don't like French kissing? And she says, it makes me feel like a shark getting its teeth cleaned by pilot fish. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> and he's laughing and she feels like at first she's like, are you laughing at me? And he's all, no, I thought it was funny. And then he tells her, instead of thinking of sharks at the dentist, think of me caressing your mouth. Concentrate on how it feels. And so he gives her like an explicit direction. Instead of thinking about this, think about this instead. And that actually works for her. She really is able to get into it after that. Yeah, they do. They they have good communication. But of course, that only goes so far. Stella does have her boundaries. So they end up hitting against that wall and then it not being able to go any further. And so they end up falling asleep watching I think it's a martial arts movie. Yeah, I think so. It's it's actually it's there's like this stark contrast cuz when it's very natural and and everything in the bathroom where he's, you know, caressing her and they're talking and kissing, it's all hot, but then when they go into the bedroom to like, you know, get started, she tenses up. She's like, "Oh god, I can't do this." Essentially when she starts to think too much. He doesn't want to have sex with someone who isn't 100% willing and into it. So the next morning, he's still there, but he's getting ready to leave. That's the point when he tells her that he's not going to take her up on her deal. And she interprets this like, oh, I was that bad. Like, there's nothing that can improve me. But she decides to soldier on. And so she asks him (laughs) if he has any recommendations for a colleague. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes sense, given what she's trying to accomplish. Yeah, I get it. And he doesn't like that, though, because he's already realizing that he might like her more than he should. He tells her, you know, you don't need lessons. You just need to find a boyfriend. And she's like, no, I can't find a boyfriend. (laughs) And I'm going to persist until I get, quote, good at sex. Yes. And then I'll be able to entice the right person into being mine. And so she gives she gives him her card with her personal number on the back and is like, you know, let me know if you change your mind or if you can think of anyone. Oh, the other thing is he's like worried about her too. Like he's worried, okay, well, she's definitely going to keep calling escorts and not all escorts are on the up and up. And he tries to explain this to her, but she doesn't, she doesn't desist. Yeah, this is the point where I really started to like Stella a lot because he's like, I don't want you to get hurt. And she's all, I'm not stupid. I have a taser. (laughs) I know. She like pulls out her taser and he's like, do you even know how to use this? And she's like, yeah, I took a class on it. (laughs) And he goes, would you have used it on me? And she says, I didn't. So clearly the answer is no. (laughs) 
<laughs> Although if he had behaved differently, maybe she would have. But he didn't behave in a way that made her think that she had to reach for the taser. He starts to feel guilty about refusing her offer. And he says the reason he said no is because he doesn't do repeat sessions. And she's very upset by this because she's like, she feels let on because she thought they were developing a baseline. And instead he was just trying to fulfill his side of the bargain when she prepaid so he leaves and she's just really upset but then before she even leaves the room he comes back like he just ran back up and he's like okay i will do three three sessions with you Yeah, he's hesitant to do this because he had a client who got a little overzealous, even a little stocky. And so he's resistant to do more than one session because he doesn't want to have that happen again. He even makes Stella promise not to go crazy after he does these three sessions with her. No stalking, no calling, no outrageous gifts. And you find out later that the car he drives was a gift from this stalker client of his. So he agrees to three, is it sex? sessions or boyfriend sessions sex lessons at this point so then we move on and we get to meet some of michael's family which is his cousin kwan and i really like kwan he's fun I love all of his family. (laughs) Yeah, he's got a great family. But I particularly love his cousins and his sisters. Because there's definitely this playful relationship where they give each other shit. But they also really clearly love each other and will be there for each other. It's wonderfully illustrated, I think. Yeah, totally. But Quan shows up at his house and just kind of invites himself in and starts eating his leftovers and stuff and wants him to come out to a new club on Friday and meet him there. Michael says, no, I'm busy on Friday. And this kind of gets Quan upset. He feels like Michael's hiding something from him because he's always busy on Fridays and he never will say why. And so he suggests, oh, maybe it's, you know, a secret girlfriend. And Michael says, no, no girlfriend. And they just kind of have like this fun, you know, cousin, brotherly, best friendy sort of interaction, I think. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was good. Quan has like this sensation that Michael's been holding him at arm's length lately. And he, this visit is kind of, I think, his attempt to dig out of him like what that reason is. But Michael won't talk to him. He's just like, no, I recognize I've been a crappy friend lately and we can do stuff on you know Saturday or or something like that but I can't do Friday and it's just it's kind of sad like he doesn't feel comfortable enough to tell like his best friend what's really going on with him yeah there's a bit of a dichotomy with Michael in that he clearly has professional pride but at the same time there's also the the shame associated with sex work yeah He's worried that he's going to be seen differently, which I mean, I don't know that Quan would see him differently. I think in the case of Quan, it's more like he doesn't want Quan to know that he's not handling what he needs to be handling because the reason he's doing the sex work is because of money issues. He feels responsible for these money issues. Like it's his fault that his dad was an asshole and took all their money and left. Yeah, he definitely sees himself as like the head of a family, sort of. Like it's his responsibility and duty to to make sure that his grandmother, mother, and sisters are taken care of financially. So whatever he has to do to ensure that, he will do. And not only that, but he will do these things on his own, like not ask for help. And I think that's like one of his major character flaws throughout the story is that he wants, he wants to fix all these problems on his own, even though he's surrounded by people who would be happy to help him 
Yeah. Who could benefit actually by helping him? Like he could benefit by them assisting and vice versa, but because he never opens his mouth or says anything, it doesn't happen. So the next time Michael and Stella meet up, they meet at the same uh, hotel restaurant and Stella has lesson plans. (laughs) Which Michael finds offensive, which he thinks is interesting because of his particular fantasy. And yet he's like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, hot for teacher. Only none of the hot. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. Like, lesson one. Handjob lecture and demonstration. <laughs> Handjob practice. Performance review. <laughs> and Stella misunderstands because she's worried that he thinks it would be his performance review, which she's like, no, 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 it's mine. I'm the one who needs to improve. Yeah, she makes sure to clarify that. Yes. <laughs> she's like, you are the expert here. <laughs> and he's like, who's going to check the boxes, you or me? And she's like, oh, I can if you don't want to. <laughs> And he has, like, this mental image of her, like, in the metal of sex, putting on her glasses and writing on a legal pad. (laughs) (laughs) And then he points out, I noticed there's no kissing. And she says, oh, I was under the impression we'd move beyond that. And he's like, how's that? And she says, you said I'd picked it up, so it's best not to waste time on it. Kissing you makes it hard for me to think. And I really want to get this right. So she is still in this I guess professional mode. Like, she's like, okay, I have this task. These are the things I'm going to do to complete the task. Well, she's reverting, I think, to what would make her feel more comfortable, which is a list and objectives and all of that. And he points out that all her plans are missing something important. And he writes foreplay at the top of all the plans. And he draws a box in front of it. (laughs) So it matches her checklist. Which I just, I loved that. Like, he's kind of, like, salty about it, but at the same time, it's funny. And Stella's like, I don't understand why you put that, because I thought men didn't need it. And he goes, you do. (laughs) Yes, he's trying to encourage her to get what she needs and wants out of the experience. Yeah, which I think is her main issue with sex, is she's not advocating for herself. She's just letting a guy who's willing just do, like, get on with it, even though she's totally, obviously not into it. Which doesn't say a lot about, like, the guy she's been with, to be honest. No, it doesn't. It's a little rapey to me. Yeah, even when Michael finds out more about her past sexual experience, he gets angry because he he appreciates in a way that she does not how she has been mistreated. It's gross. The idea that someone would just want to, okay, well, obviously you're not into it, but you said yes, so let's, let's proceed. Yeah. There's something to be said for enthusiastic consent, which obviously hasn't been a thing in the past for Stella. But hopefully with Michael, that will change (laughs) oh yes she's a little worried because she thought well if we put all the emphasis on you teaching me things then we can proceed but if it's about me changing how i react that's going to be a lot harder he asks her did you think you'd like kissing and she realizes well at first no but then afterward yes and so she agrees to try it his way thankfully No, that whole scene I loved that scene there's just something about the idea of someone with like a a checklist (laughs) 
So make sure we do all these things. Yeah, that's where their personalities are sort of in conflict, which is good. It works for the story. It creates the tension and moves plot forward as well. So they go back to her room and they make out. I think they proceed to second base even. Like she's topless and she kisses him. And then she's like, I couldn't resist it. I've been thinking about it all week. And that kind of mollifies him, I I think, a bit because he's like, oh, okay. Because I think another thing for Michael is that he is super duper attracted to her and super into her and really likes her so far he thinks she's a cool person this whole time she's been like putting him like like treating him professionally like okay well you're at arm's length and and i think that hurts his feelings you know but he doesn't feel comfortable saying that because she's his client yeah he's starting to have the emotional feels he sees the lists and everything else as her not and so he thinks it's very one-sided yes And so when she says, oh, I thought about kissing you all week, it makes him realize, oh, okay, well, apparently it wasn't just him because he also thought about kissing her all week. They get really hot and heavy and right to the point where she's going to orgasm. He's touching her. She's almost ready. And then she like freaks out and like tells him to stop. And so he immediately, he stops and he's like, I'm not going to touch you if you don't want it. What's wrong? And she's like, oh, I've never orgasmed with anyone else. And I think that's the point when he kind of questions her and realizes how crappy her prior sexual experiences have been. Yes, he has a better sense of, <laughs> of where Stella is. Yeah. It's sad. She says, I feel safer experiencing that alone. And I've had sex before. Very bad sex. I spent the time watching as the man grunted and sweated and heaved over me. To be honest, it disgusted me. I wanted the sex to bring me closer to someone, but it only made me feel more distance. I don't want to do that to you. So she's, she's seeing her experience like, okay, so these guys were getting off on me and I wasn't into it at all. And it was gross. And she's worried that's what she's doing to him because because he's getting her off at this point he's not taking anything for himself he's just giving and she's worried that she's gonna disgust him i think yeah she's wanting to see to his needs as well and that's not sort of where his headspace is no and he even gestures at his erection he's like does it look like i'm disgusted by you Uh, And she doesn't believe it. And this part was really telling too, because she pursed her lips as she kept silent. If she spoke right now, chances were high she'd say the wrong thing. He was a seasoned escort. His body probably took commands like a show dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) Which is hilarious, but also really, really sad. Yeah. Like she, her, this is her self-perception here. She does think she's disgusting him. And he's pretending he's not. But they end up ending the night here, basically. She has had too much emotional crap brought up by all this. And she just needs time to process. And so he starts getting dressed and everything. And she asks him if he could sign up for an alternate phone number so that they could contact each other during the week. And he's really touched by this because, again, she's treating him like a person. Yeah, they're both seeing to each other the best way they know how. Things are progressing. And so then he suggests that the next time they meet, they go on a date and he could take her out. He's thinking that club his cousin wanted him to go to. And she's a little worried about that. Um, due to the environment of being in a club and how it might be overwhelming for her. But she doesn't tell him that. She just says she doesn't dance. And he's like, I'll teach you. Trust me. And I think this is the point where it becomes problematic that Stella hasn't been forthright about her, her autism. 
Yes, it will start affecting the situations negatively and he won't understand why. And you start to realize that she's not very good at advocating for her needs. She has this idea of of the way she should be. And if she's not achieving that should sort of goal up there, then she's not going to advocate for her needs. Being at the club is super problematic for her because of the overwhelming environment, the sounds and the bodies and the touching and the everything. But she's not going to say that because to her, she thinks that would make her feel weird, her seem weird. At least that's the impression I got. Yeah, she doesn't want to be treated differently. She doesn't want to be a burden or anything else, but she doesn't seem to realize that by not advocating for herself, she's actually creating more of a problem for those around her because they don't know. That's the thing. If if you get freaked out by big crowds, no matter what the reason is, if you share that to somebody who who cares about you, at least on a person level, you know, who cares about you as a person, they're less likely to put you in that situation if they can help it. If a guy is asking you out on a date and you go, yes, but I'm freaked out by big crowds, then he's less likely to take you to a club. In theory. In theory, if he's a good guy. Yeah, I mean, if he then... <laughs> Which I think most guys are, right? I mean, most people are. Yeah, if you say, no, I don't want to go to a crowded environment, but they say, hey, let's go to a big concert, that should be a tip-off. <laughs> Yeah, that's a red flag. Ah, clearly you did not understand what I said. <laughs> or you don't care. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong, like, whatever the reason is, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be in a big crowd. There's nothing wrong with not wanting loud noises. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could just be like a, hey, I've had a hell of a week. I would rather sit on the couch with a glass of wine versus, you know, be in a packed place with a whole bunch of strangers. <laughs> yeah and that's the whole thing with Stella is she I mean she's very good at some things like I don't like this I do like that and in her head she knows these things and she tries to to order her life so she doesn't have to deal with stuff that is difficult for her which I think is fair and reasonable I think most of us try to do that but she's keeping this secret from Michael because she wants him to treat her normally again in quotes in case you can't tell <laughs> and it's just it ends up hurting her I think because she's not she's not loving herself no, she's not being honest with the people around her yeah and Michael yeah he's an escort and yeah he's still basically a stranger at this point they've gone on two <laughs> can you call them dates <laughs> they've had two appointments yeah. But he, from the text, he's been nothing but kind and thoughtful with her and obviously wants her to be willing and into whatever they happen to do and wants her to feel comfortable. I guess, I guess if she had told him at this point in the story, there wouldn't be much more story. They would just get together, right? That's sort of where, <laughs> it's one of the, the things about this story that I sort of felt like it needed a better balance between external and internal conflicts. Because a lot of it's internal, which is not inherently bad, but that's where I think for issues, for example, with, with Michael's bills and with Michael's stalker, particularly those things, there could have been better ways to, or maybe not better, but just other ways to make them more of a source of conflict in the story and pressure and 
raise stakes and all of that without it having to be so internalized with everything have to, for both characters so internalized and therefore have a better balance because there's so much pressure that each character puts on themselves because of their own insecurities and issues that it is a little bit of a detriment to the story as a result yeah and i don't really want to disqualify um the author's portrayal of autism because Quang has high functioning autism and she was diagnosed later in life um, after her kid got diagnosed I think but it just makes me feel like like I think that, that, that maybe that's why this story is important because this kind of thing needs to be more normalized you know perceived as just a way to be yes that way people who are in situations like Stella's would maybe feel more open to advocate for their needs. Yes, I, I think that's one of the positive aspects of the story is that it allows people who can relate at whatever level to get into Stella's headspace and the headspace of someone who loves her or will love her. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> that should not be shocking. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the, the average person wouldn't have this information. Michael doesn't have this information. So we, we do get a good look at his, his headspace at this point, too. The thing is, is he does. Because Quan kind of points it out after the club, you know, a little later on in the story, where he says, hey, Michael, do you see any similarities between Stella and Kai? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, because Quan's brother, Michael's other cousin, Kai, is autistic. And so Michael says no and dismisses it initially. But then later on in the story, he puts two and two together. He's like, oh, she is like Kai. Oh, we need to, <laughs> you know, some things may need to be adjusted so that she's cared for and knows that she's cared for. He has like this whole moment. Like to me, it reminded me of the movie The Sixth Sense. Uh, spoilers for The Sixth <laughs> Sense here. <laughs> Where at the end, Bruce Willis realizes dun, he was dun, a ghost dun. this whole time. And it shows like all the flashbacks of like, oh, that's why this was like this. And that's why that was like that. And that's why this person didn't respond to me. And he kind of has like that kind of moment with like all his interactions with Stella, I think. <laughs> he sees the red. <laughs> like, oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Okay, well, let's talk about the club because that's their next their next outing. And at first it starts out like a date. They go out and get gelato and it's very fun and sexy and, and cute. And then they go to the club and they don't even have to tell the bouncer like who they're meeting at the club or what the name is to get in. They let them in because Stella is, is pretty. Yes, that's what Michael tells her. Yeah, and he tells her that. <laughs> And at this point, Stella notices his outfit and she compliments his suit and notices how well it's made. Like, you know, it has no seams and the lining is just great and it's just wonderful. And he tells her it's custom made and she's like, oh, maybe I need to meet your tailor. And he's like, no, my tailor's really busy. <laughs> and she goes, my tailor's okay, but she thinks I'm crazy and she stabs me a lot and I'm not convinced it's always Ow. an accident. And he's like, she stabs you on purpose? <laughs> Things that make you flinch. And he's outraged by this. Well, yeah. Rightfully, she thinks, like, again, this is another part where, like, she should be advocating for herself. But she says, in her defense, I'm very picky. Ugh. Yeah. And she says that her tailor calls her her diva client. 
But anyway, they move on. They get a table. Uh, Stella pays for it. Then Michael's cousin Quan shows up and Quan is a little butthurt because Michael told him he wasn't coming to this club. And then there he is with a date. Yes, with the girlfriend he allegedly does not have. <laughs> yeah, this must be his secret girlfriend that he said he didn't have. <laughs> And he's really nice to her. They're just talking and stuff. And then Michael sees a woman at the bar. And Michael excuses himself. Yeah, he excuses himself to go talk to her. And Stella, I think she kind of, she feels like this is, I don't know if she's jealous or if it's just that. I know she's curious because she sees the blonde woman treat Michael in a way they clearly know each other they're familiar I think Stella puts two and two together that she must be a client I think it's important to point out that I think Michael when he saw his cousin was a little worried that Stella might point out like their arrangement even Stella was like no no I know not to mention that (laughs) I'm not that socially awkward or something to that effect <laughs> or socially unaware, perhaps. But yeah, that's true. The blonde is very, um, very physical with Michael. Very, yeah, very physical with him. Like she's like playing with his collar and leaning in, and the blonde kisses him, and this freaks Stella out. Like she's already having stimulation problems because the music is really loud at this point. Yeah, there's sight, sound, smells. It's all very overwhelming for her. And there's just a lot, and she's been trying to calm herself down, and she sees them kissing and she's just like I cannot handle this and she starts like getting ready to cry and she just kind of like shuts down and a hand grabs her and pulls her out of the club and it's Quan so Quan rescues her pulls her out of the club and brings her outside yeah because she's she's so upset that she thinks that she might actually throw up because she's she's that worked up and so she's sort of outside trying to look for a place to to vomit if she needs to but she doesn't end up doing that she gets some fresh air and calms down and her and Quan have a heart-to-heart moment where because his brother has autism I I think he opens up about that first or something to that degree where well he asks if she needs anything and she says I'm just overstimulated and that's the point where Quan says oh my brother used to get overstimulated he's autistic yeah it's that phrasing that he picks up on then stella opens up with her own situation and struggles and they have i think a a nice a nice moment it is and kwan picks up real quick that michael doesn't know and he's like you need to tell him and she's just like no i'm not gonna tell him and she asks if she could borrow money because before they went in the club she gave michael her credit card and and stuff to keep in his pockets because she didn't have a purse with her yeah so she just wants to take a cab and go home she's had enough and she's just done (laughs) and then michael shows up and he's like are you okay and she's all i needed fresh air and kwan is like looking like he's gonna say something but instead he says well she was trying to borrow cab fare because she saw you in that blonde and wanted to leave michael is like what (laughs) I think this is this is where we do we do understand that Stella thought that the the relationship like the way the blonde was treating Michael was mutual between her and Michael and it wasn't but Stella thought it was and that's what was bothering her. Michael asked her if she wants to go back inside and she's like no. <laughs> I do not want to go back into the hell pit. Thank you. Absolutely not. <laughs> 
<sighs> and we find out that the blonde was his crazy ex-client, Eliza, who divorced her millionaire husband, took half his money, and now wanted Michael back and was willing to pay him whatever it took. And Michael was like, no. He needs money, but not that badly. <laughs> not from her. He's upset in a way because she was just going to run off and leave because she thought he was like cheating on her. I mean, which is this whole situation is weird because he's like in that headspace like, oh, did she think I was cheating on her? But he's not even in a relationship with her. (laughs) Yeah, this happens a lot in romance, it seems, where there's like this awkward, like, do I have the right to feel this way about this situation? Because whatever relationship the hero and the heroine have hasn't been established. I think in his head, he's got like this, this conflict because part of him feels like he is in a relationship with her and part of him is trying to remind himself no 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 this is a professional arrangement (laughs) client (laughs) stay away (laughs) as they're driving she's like tapping her fingers and he asks her like if she's playing a song and it turns out she is because she also plays piano like extremely well and she's tapping her fingers like she's playing a song she really likes. It's Claire de Lune. I really like that. It's pretty and somber. And they get to her house and she's sleepy and he follows her in and he notices her house is just mostly empty. Like it's a really nice house and the things she does have are really nice things. But she has like a kitchen table and chairs. She doesn't have like living room furniture. Yeah, it's minimalist <laughs> to an extreme degree. <laughs> Yeah. And she's self-conscious about it. He goes, did you just move in? And she's all, oh no, five years ago. (laughs) And he's like, so you like it empty like this? (laughs) And she says, I'm at the office most of the time. And here I have a bed, nice TV and really fast internet. That's all I need. Yeah. And she's a little worried. It's strange. He's like, well, no, it's okay. You just kind of need a couch and maybe some art. (laughs) So she wants to sit and talk with him. And she proposes that they change their arrangement. So instead of having these three sessions of, you know, sex lessons, she wants to hire him to be her practice boyfriend for like, I think starting with a month, but then up to like maybe five or six months, I think. Because the biggest issue with her, she's realizing is all these experiences are new to her and she doesn't have any frame of reference for them and she feels like if she can get the relationship part down then maybe a guy would be willing to overlook the sex part and help her with it (laughs) she's very clear like I I want to do the boyfriend girlfriend stuff not the sex stuff and he's (laughs) like upset about this he's like why not the sex stuff She's like, I don't want a man kissing me because he needs to because I paid him to. I want him to kiss me because he wants to. And so she's trying, like, she's removing, like, this monetary issue in their relationship. Because up until this point, it is a bit problematic, I think, where technically everything he's doing with her, he's getting paid for. So now they're kind of transitioning or she wants to transition to a relationship where she's paying him to do boyfriend things with her. And she's not having any expectation of sex or kissing or anything like that. I also think that, again, going back to the external internal conflict with the story, after this point, it might have been 
good if, for example, with Michael's bills, because he is supposed to be so strapped for cash that maybe his lights get turned off or because he starts to also pay for things like a boyfriend should. Yeah, he does. I think it would, would have been good to show that that money had to come from somewhere else. She offers him 50 grand a month for this arrangement. And he says he's going to have to think about it and he'll tell her next week. Yeah, which we find out he doesn't end up taking that. So I feel like there had to be a consequence. That happens a lot, I think, in romance books where there's money issues and then all of a sudden it's magically resolved. Which I actually enjoyed in this story how it was it was actually Stella who was on the, the money having end of things. Yeah, I did like that too. Because a lot of times there is that power imbalance between hero and heroine. And I think the author here played a little bit with that dynamic, putting the hero at the disadvantage where he's the poor one. He's the one who's a sex worker. He's the one who is at a disadvantage in those ways. Yes, in those ways. She's at a disadvantage in all the interpersonal ways. And it kind of flips because in a lot of romances, it's the hero who's, you know, not that autistic people are, but the hero in a lot of romances are typically like really emotionally stunted initially. Mm -hmm. And it takes a while for them to open up to the heroine and realize he's in love and that kind of thing. Yes, he has to feel emotionally safe. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways, there's a mirror of that in Stella. Not that she's emotionally stunted, but that she doesn't feel safe with anybody. Yeah. It's still up to this point in the story. She feels like this is something she needs to overcome, like the way she is, like this aspect of it. Yes. And it's it's not a very good way to live, you know? I mean, you are how you are. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and you you've got to deal with what you've been given you know and i mean there are things you can overcome but everyone has has issues yeah there may be different ways that someone has to adapt to be their most functional selves i don't know it's it's tough but like in stella's case it's clear that she doesn't feel safe because in a way she kind of isn't from her tailor who she believes might poke her with a needle intentionally (laughs) or what about philip james who feels comfortable having like really gross sex conversations with her at work there's a (laughs) there's a reason and an illustrated pattern that that she isn't sort of safe in the world to a certain degree and in certain ways or even her mom who loves her and improves as a character over the course of the story i think but this initial snippet that we've gotten of her she's very much like yeah so i want grandbabies you need to get on that (laughs) i can't remember if the the three encounters sexual encounters that stella has had up until this point if her mother has essentially arranged them because she's constantly been putting her daughter on these dates yeah the mom sets her up on these dates So her mom is setting her up with guys who aren't all that nice to her. (laughs) Yeah, they treat her like like a a fleshlight. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, right? Because she's non-responsive. Yeah. And that's just, again, it's very, very, very rapey. Yeah, and I I would hope that if her mother realized that, her mother would That's something that the author doesn't really address. Yeah, I don't think that's that's why I brought up earlier. I don't know that her parents realize how bad she is with touching. Yeah. Or how uncomfortable she is with touching. And how unlikely she is to not say that she's uncomfortable. Because she wants to be stealth. And why? Why does she want to be stealth? 
because I don't think that that's something she came up with on her own. I think that's something she learned as a child. Possibly. It's hard to know because the author doesn't touch on her upbringing at all. But I mean, her parents are aware that she has autism. They're aware that she's on the spectrum and they likely have been aware of that for throughout her childhood. They've made changes in how they interact with her, you know, because of that. But where did she get like this idea of normal? Who knows? Where did she get this idea that she needed to be stealth? She picked it up from somewhere, obviously. Her parents, society, who knows? Yeah, that's the thing I think Stella needs to overcome in the story. And I don't know that she really does. Yeah, I don't know. It's because it's never addressed. So we know that she gets diagnosed, but we don't know if this is a, a later in her life diagnosis or if she was diagnosed as a child. It doesn't say specifically, but I assume she was diagnosed as a child because she does mention that she played piano before she could speak and she was developmentally delayed in that way. She didn't speak early at all. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, that would be something that you'd bring your kid to the doctor for. One would assume. So that makes me think she was diagnosed fairly young. Okay, I'll move on. So we meet up with Michael at the gym and he has a conversation with Quan and Quan is mad. Well, I don't know if he's mad, but he's he's hurt that Michael lied about having a girlfriend. And he's like, what, are you like worried she won't like our family? Like, I think he feels defensive about it. And Michael just doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, I think this is where Quan points out like, hey, do you see that Stella and Kai kind of have some behavioral similarities? Yeah, he's very, (laughs) very sly about it. He's all, do you ever think she's kind of like Kai? And Michael's like, I don't know, maybe a little, you know? Yeah. Quan's trying to keep her secret because she asked him not to say anything. But he also understands that this is something Michael needs to know. And because he has a cousin who is like Kai, therefore he would understand. Yeah, this wouldn't be like a deal breaker for Michael. No. If he knew. There, there's a part I highlighted here that kind of touches on what we were talking on before where Michael thinks he would give almost anything to take the money out of their equation, but the bills didn't stop, so he couldn't either. That's the conflict for Michael. He needs the money. He can't quit escorting because he needs that money. If he could quit escorting, I think at this point he would quit and want to be Stella's boyfriend for real. I think he's at that point. I do too. Now he doesn't think he's good enough for her. So that would be an issue, but it's, it's primarily, I think for him, the money issue. Yeah. I appreciate that the money issue is his driving external conflict. I was kind of hoping it would manifest to therefore raise the stakes and things like that. That's all. Oh, and then he starts uh, Google stalking Stella. Like he looks her up on LinkedIn (laughs) and stuff. So this is where he finds out like where she works and you know, that she has a PhD and all that. So and now he's even more intimidated (laughs) by her intelligence and social standing. Yeah, he's like, Oh, gosh, I am absolutely not good enough for this girl. Because he has his insecurities and whatnot with the con man father. And then we meet up with Stella, who in the morning gets a call from her housekeeper saying that um, she can't come in that day. And so Stella is going to have to bring her clothes to get dry cleaned herself because the housekeeper is unable to do that this day because her daughter's sick or something. This is important because Stella doesn't know where her housekeeper usually gets 
her clothes dry cleaned. And so she, she Googles it and she's like, oh, well, this place is a little out of my way, but it has excellent reviews. And so she goes to this dry cleaners on her way to work, goes to drop her clothes off and she sees Michael there working. (laughs) Yeah. So this is where we get the reveal that Michael's day job is at a dry cleaners and he's a tailor. And when they were discussing his suit earlier and he's like, no, my tailor's very busy. He was the tailor, you know, like this, this all clicks into place in Stella's mind. Stella also realizes that this looks very stocky. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I did not look you up. I am just dropping off my clothes to be dry cleaned. Here they are. Sorry. (laughs) This is a coinky dink. That's what this is. This is a romance novel coinky dink. This is not me stalking you. Uh But while she's there, he's he's very understanding about it. He's like like initially a little weirded out by it and um, that she's there. And I think initially a little defensive, like, oh, God, now she knows that I'm just a lowly tailor. Yeah. <laughs> they have a conversation and then he agrees to the the new proposal that he'll be her practice boyfriend. And then he's like, but no sex. And she goes, that's right. And then he says, so you can be sure the next man to kisses you or touch you does it because he wants to. And she says, yes. And then he kisses her. So he's kind of making a point here. Like, okay, well, I'm kissing you because I want to. And then his, is it his mom that walks in? I think so. It's not his sister. The sisters come later. I love his sisters. Yeah, the the mom walks in and witnesses them kissing. And she's just like, oh, very interested. <laughs> <laughs> like... Because, surprise, surprise, Michael's mom wants him to get married and have grandbabies, too. What a romance novel, dink. <laughs> because if, like, when Stella first pulls up, I think that's his grandmother that she meets. Oh, yeah. Before she goes in, she meets the grandmother. And the grandmother doesn't speak um, very much English at all, but indicates that she wants Stella to help her trim a, a branch off of the tree or something. Yes. <laughs> And then leads her inside the <laughs> the dry cleaners and just kind of disappears. <laughs> <laughs> so the mom is super duper excited that Michael has a girlfriend because Michael decides, okay, well, I'm her practice boyfriend. I'm going to just go public with it, right? Yes, because he's been kind of secretive about his romantic life from his family. I mean, we know why, but his family. Yeah, he has no romantic life because he refuses to cheat. And he views his escorting job as as something that would be cheating on a significant other. Yes. He has lots of sex, but no romance. (laughs) The mom asks Stella to call her meh, which I think means mom, and invites her over for dinner to meet the family. Yay, family. (laughs) Like she drops that bomb and walks off. And Michael tells Stella, you don't have to come if you don't want to, but maybe it's the kind of practice you wanted. And she asks, well, would you let me practice with your family? And I think this is a thing where, you know, he keeps telling her to trust him, but this is a thing where he's trusting her. And he asks her if she would be good to them. And she says, of course. And he asks her to not share their arrangement. And she's like, yeah, obviously I wouldn't. Yeah, she takes it very seriously. Like she goes on Google and figures out the kind of gift that would be appropriate to bring and learns what the social rules for, for the situation might be or tries to. And when the the evening arrives, 
for her to come for dinner we get like this fun scene with the mom and the grandma and michael (laughs) all talking about stella (laughs) (laughs) his mom's basically got him marrying her already like yeah i think so (laughs) and she says She says, did I raise you to go kissing people's daughters like that if you're not going to marry them? (laughs) And this is very telling. His mom also says, she's good enough for you, Michael. And that, I think, pinpoints his main insecurity. (laughs) Because he doesn't believe it at all. No, sadly, he does not. So, yeah, when Stella arrives, she goes in the kitchen and sits with the mom and they're peeling mangoes. Michael's sister is playing the piano in the other room and it's out of tune and that really bothers Stella and she keeps like asking about it like to be fair that would be distracting yeah not really picking up on the mom's hints like I don't want to talk about this because the reason the piano isn't tuned is because the father who is no longer there used to tune the piano and they don't have a lot of money to hire someone to tune the piano and then Stella just can't seem to stop falling on social faux pas after social faux pas like she realizes they're uh, microwaving uh, cheap plastic and she starts going on about bpa then they serve the food and stella realizes that all of this is probably contaminated with bpa yeah the mom gets very defensive and the sisters come to the mom's defense which then sort of puts them at odds with stella It's sort of like a nice walk across the street and all of a sudden you start tripping and you just can't seem to stop yourself and you just keep falling. It's a really uncomfortable scene. It just keeps going. That was well done. Like his sisters come in, everyone's all fighting with each other and arguing and... Yeah, the scene was well orchestrated, I thought, to bring about that level of discomfort. I mean, that was the point, is Stella gets increasingly uncomfortable to the point where she has to bail. Like, it gets to the point where the mom, she says something like, oh, I'm tired, you kids eat, maybe buy something for Michael's girlfriend if she doesn't like what we have. And then she leaves the room. Um, Michael's sister Janie comes in and is like, what happened? Why is mom crying? And no one says anything, but everyone's looking at Stella. And Stella's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) she says i'm sorry and she it's her urkel moment (laughs) and then michael and his mom have a talk his mom is still broken over the dad leaving like i think i think that's a big deal for her because she always took him back it sounds like she really loved him the love just wasn't so much for him yeah and it's a big button So they talk about that a bit and then like he starts thinking like like because they're talking about the dad, you know, because the dad took money from the mom. He feels like, oh, no, I'm taking advantage of Stella, like taking money from her when she could learn how to have a boyfriend for free. (laughs) (laughs) She has been learning for free, but it hasn't been going very well. But he apologizes to his mom for Stella's behavior and the mom says there's no need for starry if you love her we'll learn to love her too bring her back and i'll cook it differently so she'll eat it (laughs) yeah the mom is sweet i love his mom and michael runs out to see if he can catch stella but nope stella bailed yep she drove off yeah no i think michael's mom actually gives him throughout the story good advice and encouragement definitely yeah his mom's a good mom it's refreshing to have a nice mom character (laughs) yes 
And like I said, I have some criticism over Stella's parents, but we don't really get to know her parents as well as we get to know Meh. That's true. And not only that, but her mom does step up later in the story. So now we're back in Stella's head and Stella is like, okay, well, I need to apologize to his mom. Like, obviously, Michael won't want anything to do with me now because I made big oopsies, but... I'm going to apologize to his mom. And she goes to the dry cleaners with more flowers and chocolates, comes in and the sister Janie is there and is like, yeah, Michael's not here. And Stella's like, no, I came to see Meh. Is she here? And Janie's like, yeah, she's here. I'll bring you back to her. And so Stella apologizes to Michael's mom. It's a good apology. She's like, I am I was rude and I'm sorry. Yeah, it's heartfelt. <laughs> it's honest. The mom invites her over again, says, well, we still have a lot of food left over. You should come again. And Stella is still in this headspace where obviously Michael doesn't want to continue this arrangement. So she just kind of, yeah, maybe. Sorry. Bye. Yeah, because Stella really doesn't like lying. So (laughs) she will do and say certain things to avoid actually lying. Whatever she says or does is as honest as she can be in that moment. So we're back with Michael at the gym with Quan and Kai. As Michael's watching Kai practice, he realizes there is like this similarity between Kai and Stella. Yes, the puzzle pieces are starting to get connected. Yeah, after the situation at his house, his mom's house, and just the way Stella is, like her her idiosyncrasies or whatever, and he point blank asks Quan, did she tell you something I should know? Quan says... After she finished hyperventilating from overstimulation, she told me something. Quan doesn't reveal everything. Michael just kind of picks up on the overstimulation word, I think, again. And it clicks and he realizes that she's autistic. And then he realizes, oh crap, I've been terrible to her. Like, why didn't she tell me? I would never have taken her to a club. I would have never taken her to see my family with the TV and the piano and the shouting and everything. And he also thinks maybe I'm not taking advantage of her. Maybe she really could use a practice relationship. So he kind of gives himself permission, I think, to continue being with her because of that, because he still doesn't think he's good enough for her. This is the point where he decides he's not going to accept the payment, the 50 grand. And that will be his his way to prove that he's not a scumbag (laughs) like his dad. They reconcile. He tells her, yes, I still want to have a practice relationship with you. I should have prepped you ahead of time. He doesn't tell her that he's realized that she's autistic, though. Yeah, he keeps that to himself. But he does tell his family so that they can behave in a way that will make Stella comfortable. Yeah, and when they go back to have dinner at his family's house again... Um, it's loud like they can hear the tv and everything and Stella's like I can't handle that today Michael's like okay well hold on and he calls them and tells them and they turn the tv off and this makes Stella feel weird but at the same time she just kind of goes with it I think so they get to they have dinner and it's it's nice this time yeah Stella (laughs) has a much improved experience Yeah, but Stella does kind of start getting the third degree from the mom. Like, do you like babies? What do you do for a living? Yes, it's uncomfortable in different ways. (laughs) But mainly because Stella is seen as a romantic prospect, as opposed to the girl that just keeps annoying the mom. Yeah. 
And so when it's time to do dishes, Stella goes to help do dishes. And Michael's mom's like, yeah, she's a keeper. You need to keep her. And Michael's like, no, she's too good for me. She makes so much money and she's super smart. His mom's like, you're smart. And he is. He's not without intelligence. Different strengths, but certainly not without. So after dinner's over, they get ready to go back to Stella's house. And at this point, I think Michael brings it up, but he's the... But they discuss like what do couples usually do and they usually live together. And so Michael kind of moves in with Stella. He doesn't get rid of his place or anything like that, but he starts spending the night and all that. And Stella's like, well, I have a guest bedroom. And he's like, what if I want to sleep in your bed? (laughs) I think again with the, the external conflict thing, I think when Michael moves in, since apparently he has a stalker, I think this would have been a good place to have hints that the stalker is watching if the stalker was watching yeah that would have been good yeah we really get the impression that the stalker i mean she keeps popping up she keeps popping up but is she stalking him or is it just like happenstance i don't know yeah it's treated more like it's happenstance i just i don't know i like me some crime so (laughs) stella says oh well you can sleep in my bed if you want to but it's not expected i don't know that helps a lot in this story i think to put the money out of the sex part of it yeah It does. Even though it's still in the relationship part, I think it really does help because at that point, they're able to have sex and it's awesome and they're both super into it and it's mutual. What clarifies motives. And it turns out she really enjoys sex with Michael. And I I don't know if it's because now she knows him or if it's just because he's kind to her and like takes her feelings into consideration. I think it's all of it. (laughs) Or maybe it's his smell. Yeah, it's not just familiarity, but it's it's a lot of things that make her feel more comfortable. It's a multi-pointed star sort of a deal. Gold star. Yeah, but she's definitely into it. Stella has the conflict in her head where, okay, Michael obviously likes sex with me, but it's not because he likes me. It doesn't mean anything to him. And I don't know where she, I guess she gets the impression that sex doesn't mean anything to him because he's an escort. Maybe. I I don't think it's really clarified why she's in that. I mean, I know story-wise why she's in that headspace because, you know, they've, they've had sex, their relationship is progressing, they both like each other, but we need a reason for the lovers not to be happy. And contented because they could so many times in the story there there were points where it's like okay if we just if we just handled this this issue everything would be fine and good and well so that that's sort of where a little little more with the external and a little less with the internal we're at the point in the story where I start wanting to rip my hair out and going have a freaking conversation please <laughs> which they do have conversations they just managed to skirt around this tell each other how you feel (laughs) and they they actually do they communicate really well i feel which is why it's also additionally frustrating when they don't and there isn't yeah i know a good reason a obvious reason a plot reason or story reason or whatever for the them not doing it other than (laughs) well we just can't because then they get together and the story would be over (laughs) 
Yeah, and she's just so sure that he doesn't want her for her. He's okay with doing the practice boyfriend thing because he's getting paid. And he's okay with the sex or he wants the sex because he likes sex. But it's not her. And so she she's like, well, maybe I need to seduce him. What can I do to make him want me? So being with Michael has uh, made Stella change a bit. Like she dresses different. She goes to work one day with her hair down and it gets her a lot of attention from like her coworkers, especially Philip James, who has realized that Stella is hot. Yeah, well, I think she goes, oh, if memory serves, I think she goes in with her hair up like normal, but then she's texting with Michael and he's like, uh, take your hair down. (laughs) Oh yeah, they're sending selfies to each other and he wants her hair down in the selfie. And so she does, she complies, and then all of a sudden... That gets her all this attention that she's not used to, and it piques Philip James's interest. Yay. Yeah, and he's just <laughs> gross. He's like, oh, are you meeting someone? Oh, did you take my advice? And she goes, <laughs> I did, actually. Thanks, bye! <laughs> but he, like, follows her to the car, and is just, like, <laughs> giving her the third degree, like... <laughs> Where are you going? Stella's not really picking up why this might be a little bit creepy. Why maybe at this point she needs to tell him to fuck off. Because he's saying things like, oh, I'm socially awkward in this way. Or I have trouble with this. And since she also has those issues, she has a kind heart and tries to assist him or be thoughtful where he's concerned or be helpful. And she's not thinking that he has a creepy and unwanted motive. And Stella kind of thinks about like the fact like her mom thought Philip would be a good prospect for her. And if she hadn't met Michael, then Philip may have been her fourth disastrous sexual encounter. (laughs) Disaster averted. (laughs) yes thankfully but yeah since she sort of feels like philip has you know her mom's stamp of approval that also might be a reason why she's not reaching for the taser as soon as she should be so when they go on their date they talk more about michael's tailoring and stella wants to know why he doesn't do more with it why isn't he a stylist why doesn't he have his own company and michael reveals that he was set kind of on that path and then his mom got cancer and he came home to be with her and so that's why he's where he is now he works at his family's business because he doesn't want to leave his mom alone and his mom has um stage four Mm -hmm. lung cancer um and the chemo hasn't been working on her but she's on some other medical treatment that apparently is helping a lot yes and so stella is putting two and two together as well not so much putting it together i mean michael really is kind of telling her how he got in this business that he apparently doesn't like so much well all the businesses really like he wishes he would be starting his own company versus working as a tailor in his mom's shop he doesn't want to sex work but clearly he does it for his family etc yeah michael feels stuck she she thinks to herself as like i would hate it if i worked a job that i hated like i would be miserable that would be awful i don't think i could stand it and since i care about michael i want to make sure that he is doing a job that he loves because how wonderful is that that's like an amazing thing because she really does love her job i mean that's 
that is said repeatedly through the story, you know, because she does. Yeah, it's like the perfect fit for her. You know, apart from Michael, who, you know, spoiler, is her one true love that I think, I think if she had her hierarchy of love, it would be Michael and then right under him would be work. Probably. Because <laughs> she loves it. I mean, that that's her level of, of love and, and comfort and, and all of those things where she feels safe where she has control. So yeah, it'd be Michael and then econometrician, which that's fine. Good for her. I love that she's doing a job that she loves and that she has excelled in her profession. Yeah, they talk about her job some. Uh, They talk about how her boss wants her to hire an intern. They also talk about this benefit dinner that her mom is throwing and she asks Michael to be her date to the benefit dinner and she also asks him if he'll make her dress and she's like of course I'll pay for it. Michael says he will make her her dress and he will go to the dinner and then they go by his place because he needs to pick up some clothes because he's been staying at her place and she wants to go inside his place and he feels a little vulnerable about that but agrees that she can come in because he never lets his clients who Stella is technically supposed to be into his sanctum certainly not his bedroom and there's this funny part um at one point she's in his bedroom and she like he's packing clothes in his closet or whatever and she's like curled up in his bed like sniffing his pillow she's very scent sensitive (laughs) and she's very into his smell that gets him going he likes that she feels a little like self-conscious about being caught smelling his pillow (laughs) um they have sex it's still good and amazing um or no they get ready they start getting ready they get almost to the point where they have sex and he realizes he left his condoms in the car (laughs) and while he runs downstairs stella gets up and starts exploring his house and finds bills she's a little snoopy and she knows she's violating his privacy but there are two important things so the first thing is she realizes he lied to her about his last name and it kind of hurts her a little even though she understands why she still feels sad that he didn't trust her and she also finds a medical bill for his mom she realizes like that's when all the pieces click into place for her he's not an alcoholic he doesn't gamble he doesn't have any vices and that's why he needs money he needs the money because of his mom's treatment yeah up until that point she didn't know why he was doing what he was doing and so when he comes back in she's she's put the bills back and when he comes back in she's like crying and michael's like what's going on and she just is overwhelmed with emotions and she tells him that she's like obsessed with him and when they aren't together anymore (laughs) it's going to be bad she's going to stalk him and buy him a car and do all the things that he is afraid that she might do which since she's incredibly honest i think she is telling him where she is (laughs) yeah i think she i think she's being very forthright here (laughs) but they end up having sex and it's amazing and wonderful and then he asks her if she wants to stay or go home and even though it throws her whole routine like out the window she wants to stay because she wants to put her mark on his apartment (laughs) like the pugnacious honey badger (laughs) which is her spirit animal yes They're sassy animals. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Honey badgers are awesome. <laughs> Go Hufflepuff. Like, we kind of move forward in time, and they've been together for, like, a week or two, and Michael is getting to know her and knows her, her routine, and he's, like, totally in love with her at this point. Yes, he is quite the smitten kitten. Even though he knows he shouldn't be. It's very, very sweet and sad because he won't tell her. Nope, no telling. And meanwhile, Stella also, she's like, I can't live without Michael. I need to make him want me. And she has no way, like, she doesn't know how to tell that what she's, like, if what she's trying is working or not. Is she, quote, seducing him or not? Is this love that she's feeling? (laughs) She doesn't know. She has no frame of reference. She knows not. Um, she still she goes over and has dinner with his family again and at this dinner she has a talk with Janie who's in college and is also interested in economics and wants like advice from Stella I guess like do you know where I might get an internship and that kind of pops like a little a little seed in Stella's brain like hmm I need an intern but Stella is super like she wants to be fair and she wants it not to be nepotism yeah she's almost unrealistically um ethical i don't know (laughs) like okay well i will open an internship and let her know and then interview her yeah but she won't be just the one that interviews other people end up interviewing her as well she gets interviewed by six people and they're more than one candidate so she just basically creates this opportunity for Janie but doesn't give it to Janie Janie still has which to I think it. is fair and good it is fair and good and it makes it super super great but it's also kind of superhuman like did Stella orchestrate that on purpose I kind of <laughs> yeah, think she did she's very smart she is very smart and she's very particular I love Michael's sister so much. Like when we first met them and they're being their normal selves and cutting into each other, that's great. But then also when they're attempting to be well behaved around Stella, but still managing to like rib Michael and make faces at him and things. I just, I love it so much. It was great. We're like to Stella's face, they're all smiling and happy. And then when Stella's not looking, it's goad Michael with a fork. I love it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. There's this nice scene with Meh. Michael's mom wants to show Stella, you know, Michael's baby pictures. And they look through, you know, the family photo album. It's just really sweet. And Stella is like, I want Michael to be mine. I want his family to be my family too. And then she starts thinking, if Michael's mom knew I was autistic, she wouldn't like me. Yeah, little does she know that I think the mom knows. I kind of suspect, now it's not explicitly stated, I don't think, but I think everyone knows at this point. Yeah, because the sisters are behaving well. Like, Michael has talked to them ahead of time. Yeah, Michael is running all this behind the scenes, I think. And he still hasn't told Stella that he knows. Yeah. Oh, so back at work, Stella's working on opening up the internship guess who shows up again hi creeper philip james and he's like oh my cousin would be a good fit for your internship and stella says i have someone in mind but okay give me his resume too because she wants to be fair then philip james tells her that he's into her like he's been into her for a while he tells her which she questions rightly it's like if you were so into me then why were you with Heidi? If you were so into me, why why are you saying this now? Yeah, and he says, 
because I have issues and my tongue ties up when I'm with you and all that comes out is asshole garbage. I was waiting for you to ask me out because I'm insecure, but I'm asking you now. The idea that you're seeing some guy who doesn't appreciate you makes me crazy. You're a 10 for me, Stella. Yeah, well, Michael's an 11. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, is Stella is like, she she's just like, oh, he thinks I'm a 10. Hmm, that's interesting. Like... <laughs> clearly philip james has seen some changes in stella that he wants to get in on yeah he wants to get in on that before it's too late p.s dude it's too late (laughs) he wants to go to the benefit with her but um stella's like no sorry i'm going with my guy i already invited him philip is like i'm sure it's just a phase you're not in love and that plants that seed in her mind she's like hmm is it love how do you know it's not love (laughs) she asks him and he says i know because i'm the one you're going to fall in love with me and she says philip don't do this whatever this is and he says you need to give us a try and he pushes up against her and kisses her and she just just like ew 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 wrong 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 (laughs) yes and he says to her You just have to get used to me, Stella. You acclimated to that bastard. Yeah, he's very hostile towards Michael or the unknown male. Yeah, that was really gross to me. Him telling her, you just have to get used to me. Oh, yeah, it is. It's totally disgusting. So she goes to the shop where Michael is and she's just still, she's like, gross, 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 yuck, yuck, yuck. And he wants to kiss her and she's like, no, I need to go to the bathroom right now. And he's like, okay. So he shows her where the bathroom is and she's like rinsing out her mouth and like trying to brush her teeth with her fingers (laughs) with (laughs) soap. Michael's like watching her and he's like freaking out. Like he immediately jumps to sick because his mom has cancer. He's like, what happened? And she's like, a co-worker kissed me. And Michael's immediate thought is like, who is he? What is his name? Where can I find him? And I will kill him. (laughs) (laughs) He goes straight to murder. Yeah, which is a little okay. But at the same time, appreciated. And he tells her, no one forces you, Stella. (laughs) Yeah. But Stella realizes that he's looking a little ragey and she's all, are you planning to do something to him? I don't want you to get in trouble. And he (laughs) says, you just washed your mouth out for a whole minute. Now I'm going to wash his out. And then in his head, with blood. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) And she's all, I'm okay. And he goes, if you weren't okay, he'd be dead. (laughs) Yeah. But then he started, because she's like putting him off of finding him and killing him, basically, he's going, oh, well, maybe, maybe she wants this, which is just fucking crazy. Yeah. He's like, is he the reason you hired me to practice for that guy? Ew. Uh, Did he just watch her rinse her mouth out with soap, literally? Yeah, it's again, it's his insecurities. And she she sort of did, but not really. She wanted to improve to maybe be good for Philip. But now clearly she is so off the Philip train. Not that she was, she was sort of at the- She was at the train station waiting for the Philip train. But she has not gotten on the train by any means. She's sort of looking at the train and going, well, I could go that direction. Or I could try this train that goes, I don't know where the hell, but let's go with that one. That's what she does. Well, the only reason she's interested in Philip at all is because her mom puts it in her head. As a prospect, or her dad does initially, and then her mom is like, yes, yes, what about him? 
Like, I don't think she would have even considered him otherwise. No, I don't think so either. She affirms to Michael, no, I absolutely did not want to kiss him. I didn't like it at all. It felt bad because it wasn't you. He says he wants to kiss her. And she's like, no, I still have him in my mouth. It's awful. I hate it. (laughs) And he's like, no, I need to mark you, basically. Like, (laughs) I need to take that away from you. (laughs) Which... In real life is is a little creepy and gross, but in a romance novel, I kind of find it hot. Like he wants to stake his claim. Yeah, it's one of those, <laughs> it's a romance novel pass. Yeah, I give him a pass for this possessiveness where it's like, no, I want you to taste me, not him. Kind of hot in a book. Agreed. They end up fucking in the bathroom of his work. <laughs> is his family still there? We don't know. I think so. Was he tailoring someone out at the front of the store? I can't he remember. He was. Yeah, he was tailoring someone, I think. (laughs) And then they have this important conversation about underwear. Yes, because she has a problem at work that she can't suss out. Yeah, so at work, the thing she's working on is an algorithm to see like how or why or when men buy underwear. And she realizes that there's this point when it drops off for a lot of men. They stop buying underwear. And she couldn't figure out why. Like, it's totally unrelated to her work problem. Like, it comes up with, I think he rips her underwear off and he says something like, I'll have to buy you a new pair of underwear. And she's like, oh, I can do it. And he says, I don't mind, though for most couples, women buy all the underwear because they like to take care of the people they love. And that, like, clicks that place in her brain where she's like, ew, that's probably why all the men stop buying underwear because they get married or in a relationship. Yeah, it was before they actually got hitched. I remember the data correctly (laughs) you would (laughs) yeah it's a certain amount of space before they actually get married because you know it's established they are in love check fast forward to the benefit michael has made her her dress it's beautiful and wonderful and we also find out michael is 28 stella asks him if it's a problem that she's older he's like no i like older women that's so weird to me it's like it's two years she's not older i'm sorry You're both adults at this point, so it's not at a point where there's a lot of maturing yet to happen in theory, you know? It's like, no, no, you're established adults at this point and it's two years. It's not that much. Oh, it wasn't right before the benefit. Is she was trying on the dress for the benefit that he made her. Because the benefit is the next day. But when she's at work, she's super excited about work because this insight she's gotten from Michael about who buys underwear and when has boiled down to a single binary variable, which I don't know what that variable is, but it looks like a fancy bee. And, you know, had led to markers that activate it, like increased spending on fine dining and luxury gifts. (laughs) So... At the time, like initially, Stella was like confused because, well, they have all this money because they're going out to eat fancy places and they're buying nice presents and things like that. Why did they stop buying underwear? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But with this info from Michael, she realizes that the variable is love. So if it's a zero, then no. If it's a one, then yes. And once that variable flips to one, then that meant a woman loved a man. Like that's the mathematical equivalent to love, I guess. Like (laughs) if a woman's buying her man underwear, then she loves him. That's love language in math terms. And she sees the inverse of that is that if a woman, so if a woman buys underwear for her man, then that means she loves him. Then that must mean that if the man wears this underwear then he loves her back 
And so Stella goes out and buys Michael underwear and wraps it in a bow and puts it in his drawer with the rest of his underwear. And this is kind of like a test to her. Like if he stops buying his own underwear, then that means he loves her back. And she'll tell him about being autistic because it won't matter because he'll love her. Wink, wink. He already knows. That made me sad. Yeah. I liked the whole thing with the variable and all this, but the, the idea that, I don't know, it just made me sad. So they're getting ready to go to the benefit. He zips her up in her dress and she tells him he needs to wear a three-piece suit because she loves three-piece suits. And so he's getting dressed too. And she's just super into the dress. She's like, people are going to ask where I got it. Can I tell them it's a Michael Larson original? And then he goes, oh, you know my real name. And she's like, I saw it on your bill. Are you mad? And he's like, are you? And now he's worried. Oh no, did she Google stalk me? Like I Google stalked her. Does she know about how awful my dad is? Like he's seeing this as like a time bomb. Which is so funny. Like she goes to Google for so many things, but not that. I think it's probably a choice for her that she didn't look him up and stalk him because she realized she didn't get his name in an ethical way. And she's a very ethical person. Yeah. I think if he had told her, oh yeah, my name's Michael Larson. And then she would have felt okay Googling him. But because he didn't, she didn't. Sorry, I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) I just activated Google. (laughs) It's okay, none of us understand. (laughs) Join the club. Uh, I might leave that in. That's fine. (laughs) So at the benefit, first he meets the mom and the mom is all about him. Like, oh, he's so wonderful. Oh, did he make this dress? Oh, it's perfect for you. No tags, no seams. It's so soft. It's wonderful for you. And Stella's starting to go, "Uh oh, are you going to tell him? But mom doesn't say anything. Her mom grabs Michael's arms like, oh, let me introduce you to Stella's dad. And they get introduced. And it's one of those like, I don't know, disproving dad moments, I think. Yeah. I mean, the dad isn't gonna approve no matter who he is. He's just not. He's not rude. But at the same time, he's like, hmm, I will assess you as potential mate for my daughter. (laughs) And also at their table is Philip James, who is friends with Stella's dad. Hello, creeper. You have returned. Apparently we tracked in creeper (laughs) when we walked in. But Michael and Philip shake hands and Philip does like that, I don't know, testosterone laden hand grippy thing with him. I'm going to crush your hand it will have all of the crush and michael realizes oh this was the kiss guy he's actually good looking <laughs> i think in his mind he pictured the kiss guy as like some nerdy he wanted to nerdy looking yeah <laughs> So they start having a conversation at the table and the parents are all about, oh, so tell us about yourself. And Michael doesn't want to tell them anything. And he says he's a designer. At first, the dad's like, oh, for, you know, (laughs) defense contractor, (laughs) like your defense contractor or something. And he's like, no, I design clothes. Mm Mm-hmm. But Stella's mom is all about it. Like she's all, oh yeah, he designed Stella's dress. It's wonderful. He's so talented. The dad tries again. It's like, oh, well, are you successful? Are you creating your own line? You know, and Michael basically says, no, he's taking time off and he does nothing. <laughs> like he literally says, I do nothing. Because yeah, he doesn't want to say. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to say. He doesn't want to say what he does for a living. Yeah, obviously, I guess you don't want to say you're an escort. Unfortunately, there's still a stigma there, <laughs> but he doesn't want to say that he works 
at a dry cleaner either. Philip kind of gloms onto that and he's just like, oh, well, Stella needs someone who's super driven because she's super driven and you just can't stand an activity. And she and I work really well together and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, ew. <laughs> but it gets into Michael's insecurities and Michael's just like, oh, well, obviously this Philip guy is better for her because Stella could never love me because I can't match her intellectually. I can't match her in the, you know, in the cerebral way that apparently, you know, Philip and Stella are able to have like this animated conversation about economics and it's, he's just totally lost in it. And then while he's stewing in that, dun, 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 <laughs> Philip's mother shows up oh, and Philip's mother is Eliza. Oopsie. <laughs> Shit just got awkward. The blonde from the club. Or awesome, depending ew, on ew, who ew. you are. Yeah, and she's just like stereotypically gross. She's like, well, 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 hello, Michael. Yeah, she is skeezy. <laughs> it's just this very, again, well-written, but very uncomfortable where, you know, Stella can tell that Eliza's being kind of inappropriate physically with Michael, but she's like unsure. Does Michael like this? Like, I can't tell. Michael leaves. He says he needs to get some air and Stella follows him and she asks him like why were you letting her touch you and he says it's bad policy to make a scene with former clients he says well when you're my former client I'll try not to make a scene with you either and she says I don't want that and then he asks her what she wants she gives him like this hug he interprets it as sex like he's like she wants him for sex he feels like he doesn't have anything else he could give her because he's feeling super inadequate right now. Like he's not smart. He doesn't, he's not successful. All he is is a warm body to have sex with. Like that's how he feels. Yeah, Michael is having a pity party for one. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not trying to keep it on him or anything, but yeah, that's sort of where he is, is all his insecurities yeah. have been brought forth in a public way and he is embarrassed. Yeah, and this is the point where he reveals what his dad did. Like his dad was a con artist and he seduced women and stole their money and everything. Famously so. When he tells Stella his dad's name, she she does remember like reading about the story in the news or something like that. She tries to tell Michael that it's not your fault that your dad is a shitty person, <laughs> you know, but Michael, I think he's just caught up in guilt because he was at college when his dad got caught I guess and he just feels guilty for it and he feels guilty for still loving his dad even though his dad's an yeah. asshole but I mean that's the problem of being the child of an asshole when you're a kid you love your parents like you're biologically wired to love your parents you are. <laughs> and it doesn't matter like if your parents abuse you or are terrible people or or what like it's anyway Michael could could use some therapy um <laughs> At any rate, he also says something like, I accepted your proposal because I wanted to help you with your issues. And now I can tell you're ready for a real relationship. If some bastard doesn't want you because you're autistic, he doesn't deserve you. You have nothing to be ashamed of. So he reveals that he knew that she was autistic this whole time. And he says, it's time for me to move on. And you need to move on too. And promise me you won't hire any more escorts and whatnot and so he leaves and Stella's just kind of shell-shocked <laughs> 
And she's just like, oh, I'm not good enough for him, obviously, because he knew I was autistic. He was doing it out of charity. He felt bad for me. That's why he agreed to do all this stuff. So Stella needs a therapist too. Therapy for everyone. Lots of couches. If we ever have merch, um, we need one of those like on a (laughs) t-shirt. Therapy for everyone. So I feel like that about a lot of books. Yeah. (laughs) And to be fair, if characters were all well-adjusted, functioning people, imaginary people, they wouldn't be as interesting to read about. No, they wouldn't be nearly as interesting. So we need to sort of dangle the therapy couch in front of them, but like pull it away because we don't want them to actually improve too much because then they'd stop being interesting. Or maybe I'm just the cruel reader. (laughs) Yeah, well... That's your job. I mean, they can they can improve. <laughs> there should be there should be an arc. So Stella, being Stella, goes back into the benefit, <laughs> <laughs> and her mom's like, "Where did Michael go?" And she's like, "Oh, we broke up." And then her dad and Philip just start bashing him, like, "Oh, well, obviously he's not good enough for you. He's terrible." And Stella reacts. She's like, he's not. You weren't looking closely enough. And says that her dad was looking down on Michael, which he kind of was. Her mom, this is hero mom moment. Her mom like says, that's enough. It's obvious. That's what you were thinking. And she takes Stella's hand and she's like, let's get out of here. The noise is getting to me. And she like takes Stella out of the room and hugs her and She says, I'm sorry, I always wanted an artist for you. So it's like you could tell that the mom was like really happy that Stella hooked up with someone like a like a clothing designer. Yeah. But her mom is also like, but we must persevere. Yeah. (laughs) You should try Tinder. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) So mom does great for a moment there. And then I don't know. I think the mom doesn't give emotions like they're due. She needs to validate the emotions a bit more. Yeah, maybe that's something that she would need therapy for and could work on. (laughs) Therapy for everyone. Here's a room full of couches. Choose the one that fits you best. Yes, pick one. Stella asks her mom if they can shelve the husband slash grandbaby discussion because she just can't deal with it right <laughs> that now. That was not and the time. Her mom says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pressure you. I just want you happy. Why do you think grandbabies will automatically make her happy? They might automatically make the mother happy. Yep. So Michael is at Stella's house packing his stuff and getting ready to move out while Stella is still at the benefit. And as he's packing his underwear, he finds the boxers that Stella bought for him. And he's thinking, huh, did she think his were getting worn out? (laughs) (laughs) But he decides to take them with him anyway, um, because it's not like she would use it. (laughs) He pulls out the check for 50 grand and puts it on her nightstand and then leaves. When she wakes up in the morning, she finds the check and this just puts her on another roller coaster because now she thinks it is charity. Like before, at least she paid him, but now she didn't pay him. You've changed the rules. I don't understand. And so she just goes on this whole like rampage where she's like, I'm not going to do anything in my routine. I'm not going to brush my hair and I'm going to do things out of order. (laughs) (laughs) I like this quote, though, because she looks in the mirror and she sees her hair and it's a huge mess, but she didn't plan to tame it. And then it says she wasn't in a tame mood. Other women let their moods dictate their actions, change their routines. Stella was going to be the same. (laughs) (laughs) 
I like the idea of her being congruent, though. Like, she's not tame inside, therefore her hair will reflect that. (laughs) And meanwhile, Michael also goes on a rampage. He goes through all his designs and drawings and partially finished projects and just destroys everything. They are trying to remove the other person from their field of view so that way they can move on and tell themselves they're okay. Yep. This is fine. And then Michael, you know, his family finds out he broke up with Stella and his mom wants to know why. And he says, oh, her dad didn't think I was good enough. And his mom says, of course he didn't. (laughs) You could just see his face like, uh, mom. Yeah. He's like, what? You're supposed to think I'm better than everyone, you know? Well, it's like when I tell you, oh my God, I'm an idiot. And you're like, yes, and... It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. We've known each other too long. If you are instantly (laughs) agreeing with that and not even trying to see to my emotional well-being. You bitch. Yeah. She she tells a story about like her in-laws didn't like her at first, but they got to know her and she was okay with fighting to be in that relationship because she loved yeah. Michael's dad, even though Michael's dad is a shitty person. <laughs> <laughs> Michael says, well, it would be selfish for me to fight for her because there are men who are better for her that are richer, more educated, more everything. And his mom says, you sound just like your dad. If you can't stand being with a woman who's more successful than you, then leave her alone. She's better off without you. If you act actually love her then know the value of that love and make it a promise that is the only thing she needs from you go mom yeah that was a great line and then michael's like you think i love my dad (laughs) thinking like you think i'm just like him and she's like, no of course not you would not take advantage of anyone And he, it comes out that he feels trapped. Like he feels trapped staying at the shop with her. He feels trapped with all these things. And she's all, you need to go off and spread your wings. You're not the only person in your family who can work at the shop. So his mom basically gives him the freedom to spread his wings at that point. But there's still the money thing that she doesn't know about. But they're driving to the hospital when they have this conversation. And when they get there, the mom goes and gets checked in and he's, held back to sign some forms for a foundation that was recently started to provide assistance to households with insufficient Mm, insurance coverages. This sounds very, very interesting. (laughs) His mom was one of the recipients of this. And so that is no longer an issue for him either. So now the bills are covered. His mom will be okay. And now he's just like, well, what do I do? (laughs) I'm so used to doing things for other people. Oh, wait. I have freedom? What is this? Meanwhile, Stella spent all this time trying to override her autism, I guess. I'll wear perfume even though I'll hate it. I'll cut out the seams in my outfit even though, you know, they're itchy and they'll drive me crazy. I'll give up things that I love. And she starts thinking of the things she could give up. Like that is like probably the biggest thing she could do to override her her autism is to give up one of her obsessions. And so she starts thinking, well, I could quit my job because that's like the one thing that she loves aside from Michael. But Janie, Michael's sister, shows up for her internship interview. Janie gives Stella some important info that Michael is not fine. Nope, he's not wearing his fine pants. Yes, and Janie just jumps to, yeah, I'm sure he's the one who screwed up, but you should give him another chance. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sure this is his fault. Yeah, and Stella says, no, it was me. And in her head, she thinks she screwed up by being herself, which I'm I'm shaking my head right now because that just makes it me is. sad. It is. It's a sad conclusion that she comes to. Yeah, and Janie says, I have a hard time believing that Michael is really bad at relationships. He has issues. And Stella gloms onto that. She's all, issues? What are his issues? Oh, if he has issues, then maybe we're equal. It hasn't occurred to her that he might also have issues. This whole time, she's kind of had Michael on a pedestal. She sort of thinks everyone else is on a pedestal but her. That's a good point. I think you're right. She's she spent her life trying to climb up to this pedestal, like trying yeah. to get on a pedestal. Like, so she's even with everyone else. Yeah, Janie drops this bomb that Michael has self-worth issues and then she just is like, okay, well, now that I dropped this bomb, I'm going to leave. And Stella's like, oh, don't you want to be interviewed? And Janie's like, well, isn't that nepotism? And Stella says, no, because I'm not the only one interviewing you. And even if you don't get the internship, it'll be a really good experience. And so Janie nails the interview. Go, Janie! She nails all the interviews and spoiler, she gets the internship. Woohoo! But after this conversation with Janie, Stella kind of realizes that she doesn't need to fix herself. She has, like, she may have a broken heart. She may have, you know, autism. She may have, quote, issues, unquote. But she has herself. So, yay. Yay, self-acceptance and self-love. And then Michael approaches Quan to see if he'll take over at the shop so he can move on. And Quan's like, well, I could be a sub, but... We should get like my sister to do it or something instead because she's better and has been looking for a job or something like that. Then Michael says, well, do you want to go into business with me? I guess Quan has been working on an MBA. And so he agrees to go into business with Michael and do like the business side. Like Michael will do the designer side and Quan will do the business side, which is cool. Stella goes on a date with Philip, even though she doesn't want to. (laughs) it's just a date where he talks about himself and she lets him (laughs) and then as they're done with the date he goes to kiss her and Stella's like no 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 but luckily across the street Michael and Quan are outside getting dinner at a different place another romance coinky dink Uh uh-huh and he sees them. He starts to head over there and Quan's like, no, no, easy man. Don't go break up their, their little kiss thing. But then Stella turns her face away from Philip and like backs away and obviously, you know, visibly rejects him. But Philip acts like he's going to keep pursuing her. And then Quan says, <laughs> okay, he's asking for it. And then lets him go. <laughs> So Quan, Quan is holding Michael back like, oh, wait, wait, it could be consensual. Oh, oh, no, it isn't. Go ahead. <laughs> I washed my hands of this. <laughs> you have my blessing. Go forth and <laughs> kick ass. Yeah, Michael rushes over and punches Philip in the eye. He says to Stella, that little shit was about to force himself on you again. No one forces you ever. And Stella is like, I'm going home by myself. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> Which, I don't want any of this crazy. Good for her. And then Philip says, wait. And Michael like steps in front of him. And Quan also backs Michael up. And they're like, no, you heard her. She's going home alone. (laughs) So Philip leaves. And then Quan says, you should go check on her. So Michael does. And Stella says, don't forget I own a taser. (laughs) 
So apparently she's had the taser with her. I wanted her to tase him. She should have tased him when he was talking about himself. That would have been unethical, but she should have tased him. It's imaginary tasing. If Michael had been held back just a moment longer and Philip had had the chance to re-engage with the unwanted kissing, then Stella could have tased him. I want that scene. We were deprived of a tasing. (laughs) Helen Huang, you owe us a tasing. Oh no. (laughs) We are making demands of the writer. (laughs) Oh, but Michael is like, no, you shouldn't have let him kiss you. She's just like, go away, leave me alone. And he's like, I thought we were friends. And she's all, I don't want a pity friend. And then they have the important conversation where he tells her that he thought he wasn't enough for her because he's a prostitute and his dad is a criminal. Finally, they talk about it. (laughs) She says, I don't care about those things. None of that impacts who you are or how you treat me. You're using those things as excuses because you don't want to hurt me. But I want you to know I can handle the truth. If I'm not enough for you, that's fair and I accept it. I'll get over you eventually. I don't want a pity friend. I am a grown ass woman. (laughs) Treat me like one. But he realizes that he loves her. Revelation. And she said she was trying to get over him, which means she was under him. That she also loved him. (laughs) (sighs) Can't help it. I pop culture at random. So then he decides he's going to work to win her back. And he sends her flowers at work. And Philip doesn't like the flowers. Fuck you, Philip. He's going to throw them away. And Philip is very territorial. He's like, I'll get you better ones. These have to go. She says, I don't want you to get me flowers. He says, we're dating, remember? And she's like, we're not dating. We went on one date and I don't want another. We're not compatible. See that door? Use it. (laughs) But the receptionist is here for this conversation. And she apparently wants what Philip is selling. And she like goes, oh, well, come here and tell me all about it drags him off the receptionist was like no no you need to go away phil go away phil james go away that was fine and then she's like oh no it's fine he can touch my ass i'm like what okay this went in a way i wasn't expecting (laughs) michael calls her they talk on the phone he asks her out to dinner and she tells him no and he says good i like a challenge And she says, I'm not trying to challenge you. And he says, I know you're not. You're trying to get over me, which is worse. After work, he's outside waiting for her. She says, this can be interpreted as stalking, you know. (laughs) Now he's stalking her. (gasps) You need to stop. And he says, I don't have a lot of experience with courting. So you'll have to tell me if I come on too strong. And she's still, she's still like, stop trying to protect me from Philip. I handled it. You can't possibly be courting me because... You don't like me that way. (laughs) I'm not your charity case. He grabs her and kisses her. She kisses him back. And he tells her that he has feelings for her. And that's why he didn't take her money. I think this is supposed to be the awe moment. I think so. So she has all this in her head. She's like, oh, he didn't pity her. He loves her. Is it true? And then she says, are you wearing the underwear (laughs) I got you? (laughs) And he shows her and he is. It is love. (laughs) It must be love. He's wearing the underwear. (laughs) 
And then she reveals that she started a foundation at the hospital with her trust fund of about $15 million. Yes, because he says something before then, like he's having trouble doing something. And she's like, but your money troubles should be done and over with. Oh, yeah. Whatever do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then it is revealed that she set up that foundation to take care of not just his medical bills, but other deserving families as well. Yes, because she doesn't want him to feel beholden to her at all. I think it's along the same lines as like the internship. Like she started, she opened the internship to give Janie an opportunity, but didn't give it to her. She started the medical foundation to help his mom, but not just to help his mom. She knew it would be a side benefit of opening the medical foundation. She's just happy now because she doesn't want him to be forced to do anything. And she says that too. She says, it's just money and I couldn't stand the idea that you were being forced into escorting. If you want to do it, that's one thing. But if you don't, I was determined to give you a choice. They both advocate for each other so that neither one of them is forced to do something that would make them uncomfortable. And then there's this cute little conversation where, you know, he tells her he's starting his own line and she says, now I can say my boyfriend is a designer. That is, if you are my boyfriend, are you? And he says I better be your boyfriend since I'm asking you to marry me in three months <laughs> and she says why are you telling me this and he says because I know you don't like surprises and I figure you need time to get used to the idea which is cute I liked that and then there's the epilogue four months later they're engaged and she reveals she got offered a promotion at work and she decided to take it this time her love life is improving her professional life Woohoo! she feels strong enough or safe enough or comfortable enough to work with other people whereas before she didn't so are you happy for their happy yeah I am. I'm happy for them. I feel like they have dealt with the issues that were keeping them apart. I don't necessarily think that the issues are fully resolved because some of them are just intrinsic to who the characters are, but I feel like they will go forth and advocate for one another and be safe places for one another and be happy. What about you? I am very happy for them. They are good for each other. I agree. What about ratings? Do you want to rate Stella awesome to awkward to awful? (laughs) I'd say Stella's awesome. She sees what she wants. She goes to get it. She learns self-acceptance, which that's her journey. That's her arc. So I'm glad she gets to a point where she feels safe and accepted. What about you? Oh, I think she's awesome too. I think she's she's a great character. I really liked her. I liked being in her head. I'm really happy that she more fully embraces who she is. She's great. What about Michael rated on a triple A system? <laughs> Ooh, triple A system. I also put Michael as awesome. You know, he he's a character with flaws, but of course Stella's too. They both are. But he also supports Stella and I think he's a good hero. What about you? I put that he was mostly awesome. Um, He did have some of the possessiveness tendencies that didn't seem to fit with the rest of him to me. Hmm. I don't know. He just doesn't strike me as a ragey type of guy, but apparently he is when it comes to Stella. He does practice martial arts, so I think he has a way of channeling that most of the time, but everybody's got their triggers. And it's romance. I mean, you kind of expect that a little bit. At least it wasn't taken to a degree, like it was when he confronts Philip, it's 
one punch and then that's it. It doesn't escalate to something that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. Well, he's like 99% awesome, I think. And I think that the reason it got to me is just... And it didn't get to me the whole time. There were just a couple times. Because I liked the possessive kissing after she washes her mouth out with soap. And I liked that he wanted to protect her from Philip. But there's also the... I don't know. It, it's a little bit of darkness in his in his character that I'm not sure fits. I'm not... I just don't know. Hmm. I can't explain it very well. Yeah, it doesn't seem to come up anywhere else maybe that's what it is is it it's not like it's hinted at early on in any kind of way where something has frustrated him to the point where i don't know when he's he's doing his training that he punches a bag a little too hard so it seems like he goes from like zero to 60 do you think that's what it is yeah i don't know it could be i don't know if like maybe his dad had caused something that made michael have to do something violent but justified i mean his sisters are violent i mean comedically so but it, it's not the same thing as yeah Uh, the family wrestling and things like that but yeah I think you're right I think if there was like something there that that we could point to and go oh that's where that came from I would feel a little more satisfied yeah I guess I wasn't because he's pretty protective of her early on so you just read it as protectiveness yeah I mean it does to the degree like I had said before the zero to 60 that was kind of surprising when I listened to the story but I don't know I guess I also gave it the you know romance novel grain of salt (laughs) plus it wasn't taken to like a Michael does just punch him in the face but he doesn't like punch him in the face break his kneecap it's not taken to like a oh that's overkill buddy Especially since Michael is supposed to be so in control of himself physically. Yeah, and he is. He is in control of himself to an extent. And it it does make sense for him to temporarily lose that control when he sees, you know, the woman he loves being mistreated. I mean, I think that's that's a reasonable reason for him to want to go punch a guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even like his actions, really. It's, I don't know. I guess it's just trying to reconcile that with the rest of his personality for me. Yeah, I mean, emotionally, it doesn't come up very often, the anger that he feels. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Because he feels a lot of, like, self-loathing and disgust. And he feels a lot of protectiveness and love. But... I don't really get a whole lot of anger from him. Yeah, so many heroes in so many romance novels, the only emotion they have is anger. And it's so it's odd because with Michael, it's not that he doesn't have it. It clearly does manifest, but he seems to be completely without it until all of a sudden. So it does seem yeah a little off. Not that what he did was unjustified, like at all. Like, I'm okay with that. No, and I don't think that <laughs> Philip James character was getting it through his head that any other sort of means would have made him back off. Yeah. I don't think so either. And I don't think Michael used excessive force. I think he used minimal force. Yes. And kept it from escalating to, to something more. Which is what you're taught in martial arts. Yeah. De-escalation and minimal force. So what of the antagonists? How would you rate them? How would you classify them? <sighs> so I picked out three antagonists. And first we'll discuss Philip James. Yay, the creeper. I hate him. He's very hateable. Yes, he's kind of disgusting. It seems to me that that there always needs to be like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's kind of prevalent. You'll love to hate him because he's just sleazy. But it's also, I feel like kind of dismissive of him in a way because it's so easily resolved. Yeah. Oh, she belongs to another man and he is stronger than me. Okay, I'll move on. 
It's one of those things that just kind of gets to me. Like if you're out at a bar or a club or something and a guy hits on you and you tell him no, like immediately, oh, do you have a boyfriend? (laughs) That is not a factor here, buddy. Like that could be the only reason you would possibly tell a guy no. Yes, I already have an owner. (laughs) Do you not see the collar? It's right here. (laughs) (laughs) Which I mean, if you're into that. And then there's Eliza, who is also very ew. And of course, she is related to Philip James. Yeah, the whole family's kind of gross. Yeah, she's kind of a non-entity too. Like she she shows up at the party, drops her her bomb, and then that's it. She's no longer Yeah. She's no longer a thing. The fear of her was a thing. That's why Michael made some of the choices that he did. Yeah, definitely. For the main antagonist, I put Michael's self-loathing. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. We do love you. Because he's got all these all these issues. <laughs> He does have its use. Because of his crappy dad. Yeah. And the crappy circumstances that his mom was put into and wanting to help and all that. And I don't know. I just got like a little tired by the end of how much he hated himself. Like, yeah. What about you? I did too. I felt like more so with him, I think, than with Stella. That's where I really needed that external conflict so that we're not kind of always confronting his internal obstacles, which for some reason, it's Stella has the internal obstacles too, but she also has the external ones like going to the club was a problem and certain clothes, having her alarm tell her, oh, I need to go do this now. So the outside world's sort of affected her and created sometimes problems, sometimes not for her. But with Michael, that wasn't the same thing. You know, it's like the, the bills are bad, but no, no, he can still afford to take her to dinner, but there doesn't seem to be any ramifications. Yeah, he's getting stalked, but it kind of seems more like just happenstance. And then it goes away. Even Philip James is a physical threat to Michael. Maybe not much of one, but you know, it's more that he's a physical threat to <laughs> Stella and therefore Michael then has to get his physicality involved well he's physical as in he's present at the benefit (laughs) i think that's the threat for michael is that philip james is like this picture of like the type of guy stella should be exactly at least at that point in the story that's what michael thought that's more of the threat that he represents to michael which boils down to michael's self-loathing i just wish you could still (laughs) have the self-loathing that's fine um i just wish that had there had been other ways for it to manage manifest in the story so it didn't feel so much like an emotional pummeling of Michael because by the end I'm like dude yeah (laughs) this has gone a little far it just makes me kind of wonder like at any point did his mom not tell him he was awesome yeah or what was I mean it's it's apparent that his family does love him yeah Or there's no, like, backstory, flashbacks, or whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be a flashback, but some sort of way of saying what his relationship was like with his father, because clearly it's all tied together, you know, rather than some of the other ways that it manifested in the story. So how would you rate this book from one to five? I rated it a 3.5, and... So I would definitely re-experience. Not gonna lie, the point five came from like the sisters and the cousins. <laughs> I enjoyed them a lot. But I did. I I really enjoyed this book. I'm trying to think of what else to say. 
that I haven't already said. I like it. I think it was a well-composed novel. I like the chemistry between the characters. I feel like those two crazy kids are going to make it, and I want them to. I was rooting for them. That's important. The emotional internal lives of the characters were well-written, well-conveyed, and then you had the benefit of the people in their lives as well being able to influence them and being well-portrayed. So, yeah, 3.5. What about you? I gave it a 5. I know. Uh, This book, I read it before, like, a while ago. And when I read it again, I still really loved it. And the reason I gave it a 5 is because of that. I think that when a book makes me feel things and has that rereadability factor, it just ups it for me. And I especially like the different cultural elements in the book. Like we get a little bit of a peek into Vietnamese culture. The author is uh, of Vietnamese descent. We also get, you know, a peek into the world of the autism spectrum, at least a bit. And I also appreciate that the author that's something that she also experiences so it's kind of nice to read a book where where you get to experience stuff from a different perspective I agree well Erica did you feel romanced (laughs) I don't know why I do it that way (laughs) I actually did feel romanced in this book um I really like the chemistry between Michael and Stella I liked the whole thing about his smell I liked how tactile she was and how that fed into like the sex scenes and things like that there was a lot of sex in this book and a lot of times in books it'll feel repetitive but the author did a good job of changing it up yeah she did you know this is in a different spot this is a different thing like they start out the first time they have sex it's doggy style because Stella struggles with the eye contact and then later they have sex face to face and it makes it more impactful I think that way to the reader that you know now she's willing to do that Yeah, the sex scenes definitely didn't feel obligatory. Like, she did a good job of expressing where the characters were and what the characters' issues were in that moment with the scenes. I I definitely appreciate it when the sex scenes move the story forward, you know, and I think in this book they did. But also, they were very sexy. The romance between the characters built gradually and it felt natural and I liked it. What about you? Did you feel romance? I did. I, like you, felt that the romance between the characters was well done and it felt like it came from a very natural place as did their intimacy and vulnerability. So good job. I enjoyed it. I think this is the first time you felt romance, Dem. I think it is. I don't know what that says about the other books. Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) I am a hard sell. Like, that is true. Score! I'm a turtle. (laughs) I was feeling a little worried after a 3.5 rating. I'm like, could that make her feel romanced? I don't know. (laughs) We actually had a book that crossed the three. I don't know if any other book has. All right. Is there anything else we want to touch on? I don't know. I felt that Stella and Michael's love story was a love story that was very natural. Definitely. I think that's all I got to (laughs) say. That is all my words. All right. So what else are you reading? So not going to lie. I'm giddy with anticipation. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not right now, but in a couple days, because Christmas is a common. Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol is what I'm going to read. We'll listen to. It's going to be narrated by the legendary Tim Curry. I'm very excited. <gasps> I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I have been waiting. I, I see the anticipation yes, now. I'm, 
eagerly awaiting to read this, but I'm going to wait until Christmas. I am that dorky. Very cool. At any rate, so I think we're all familiar (laughs) with the story. Between Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Ebenezer Scrooge is forced to visit with three ghosts to face the consequences of his past, present, and future behaviors so he can learn the value in not being miserable company and monetarily miserly. So, what about your reading? Do tell. So I don't have a book to share this week, but I do want to give a shout out to one of my favorite romance authors, um, Ruby Ah. Dixon. The reason for the shout out is this past year, she's been writing daily serials on her Facebook page to give people something fun to look forward to, um, especially during lengthy self-isolation and worry. That's nice of her. (laughs) Very cool. She's extremely prolific and mostly writes science fiction or survivalism type romance stories and her serials uh, once they're finished she pulls them down off the page and publishes them so you can buy them. She's written I think four serials on her Facebook page now this past year. Like I said she's extremely prolific. (laughs) That's good for her fans. But she's she's an amazing author (laughs) and she's got some rabid fans but she definitely deserves it. Yay! Alright, so I think that's it for today. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Join us next time when we discuss Can't Fix Cupid by Raven Kennedy. Bye! Bye. Oh, you timed it! <laughs> you always say that. Do I? Yeah. I'm very much like an emu.